You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, Chasing Bear. We met up with Damon Bungard. Damon is an interesting guy. He's a used to be a professional whitewater kayaker. He lives in Tennessee, and we talked on this podcast about his dog, a, a tickle. And we learned a ton about these dogs that are known for blood-trailing animals. And that's what his dog, Jaeger, has been trained to do, to blood-trail animals. So we not only talk about all the the details of the breed and what they're designed for and what they do, but we talk about blood-trailing game. And that's where I think you'll you'll learn something as we talk about what animals do when they've been hit and when they've been wounded. Damon goes into detail about multiple really interesting blood trailing stories. He also talks about his Tennessee backcountry whitetail hunting and, and has had some great success with that. Super interesting podcast with our friend Damon Bungard. We'll have to get a photo of us all recording later, but uh, <laughs> yeah. with, for, for Jaeger's Instagram for feed. Jaeger. Yeah. Dude, it's funny. We were like walking out yesterday. I was with uh, Kim Emery, Firefly, Firefly Publicity. Um, and like we were just parking garage. Somebody goes, Hey, is that Jaeger? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. They're like, Can I get my photo? <laughs> get a photo <laughs> and, with Jaeger. Yeah. And uh, she was like, Did that just happen? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm like, dude's a superstar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody- so, so we're sitting here with uh, Damon Bungard. Damon's uh, not from Tennessee, but currently living in Tennessee. And Correct. he's got his, uh, he's got his dog, Jaeger, tied up to the, tied up to his chair. We just gave him a little water and food, and uh, we we got to introduce Jaeger before we even introduce you, David. <laughs> That's true. We're so all... Jaeger is uh, he's two and a half years old. Two and a half years. Tell old. me what kind of dog he is. Jaeger is a teckle. A teckle. A teckle bred by Vaughn Mountain Creek. Um, teckles. Most people look at him and think he's some kind of mix. Um, basically, right. a teckle is 
the purest of the dachshund breed from European hunting. Is it, is it offensive to call him a wiener dog? Let's it, just get that is. established. <laughs> it right is. Okay, it is it offensive. Is. It's done. It is offensive. <laughs> you won't hear that come from me. <laughs> yeah, so teckles are just kind of come. If you go to Europe, uh, the word teckle just kind of means dachshund. Um, oh, really? Teckle, dockle, those terms just mean okay. dachshund. In the United States and in England in particular is kind of where they started using teckle to refer specifically to working wire hair dachshunds from European bloodlines. I'll be done. So teckles, if you're familiar with like Deutschdrathars and the difference yeah. between a Deutschdrathar and a German wire hair pointer, um, you can put the two side by side. And in most cases, they look similar. Mm-hmm. But the DD, the Deutschdrathar, is held to very strict performance and hunting standards in order okay. to be able to breed, to breed. Okay. So all the puppies that come out are registered Deutschdrathars. But are they UKC registered? They're usually in Germany. So, like, he's registered at the Deutsch Tackle Club in Germany. He's oh, not wow, registered okay. here. So, UKC's um, like whatever. You're, like, right. bypassing them. That's, right. like, so peanuts. Like, and the best way to describe it, so in AKC or UKC kind of registration, um, there may be a great bloodline historically, you know, working wire hair dachshunds, and there are a lot of wire hair dachshunds here in the States people use for tracking. But unless um, they've passed the standards – they're not a tackle, and they're not registered to the German standards. Haven't passed the tests. Okay. Um, and like in the AKC, they may be, they may have. You can breed a short hair to a wire hair to a long hair. I see. So you can't do that in the DTK system. Yeah. In order for him to be, so he's one of now less than I believe six registered tackle studs in all of North America, U.S. and really? Canada combined. And to, to, to achieve that, so he's registered at the DTK, um, and he had to pass. A gunfire exam, so just reaction under gunfire. Can't be nervous. Hey, don't. I don't want to get into that too much because I want. <laughs> I want to get into that in detail. Sure. Okay. But but we'll before before we get there, okay. So you did so, good. We introduced Jaeger. Jaeger is That's here. what I wanted to do. He's at Jaeger Tracks on Instagram. If yeah. anybody wants to check him out, but yeah, yeah, he is. He is definitely not your average dachshund. Yeah. And they look exactly. different too. Exactly. Their legs are longer. Um, their backs are shorter. Yeah. Um, we, Americans or U.S. breeding has kind of lengthened dachshunds mm-hmm. and shortened their legs and taken a lot of the hunting out of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. dachshund means badger dog, and they use mm-hmm. them o- they, in, overseas um, heavily still for above and below groundwork, foxes and, yeah. and badgers and vermin hunting and big game. In a lot of places in Europe, you have to have a dog for big game recovery by law. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to hunt with a guide, and you have to have a dog for big game recovery. So they still use tackles heavily, and that's why they're still so good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hmm. It's really cool. Well, we're going to, that's what we're going to talk about. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about blood trailing dogs Mm. and just going to try to glean some information from Damon. But, but aside from that, you're a, it, it, just introduce yourself as just just kind of sure. what you do in the outdoor industry and, and even your family and stuff. Sure. So, uh, Damon Bungard, hello, everybody, um, in Clay's audience. Um, I uh, grew up a military, military dependent, so my father was a retired colonel. So, I've lived so all, you were all over the all, place. All over the world. Um, yeah. Uh, states, Germany, um, uh, Georgia, Texas, Kansas, Maryland, uh, all over. Um, mm-hmm. uh, graduated high school at Texas. Um, uh, went to school at Clemson on scholarship. Um, and then, uh, started kind of paddling professionally whitewater scholarship. Um, what were your scholarships on for at Clemson? Academic. Okay. Okay. Um, Hence the nerd glasses like <laughs> me, right? Yeah, I can uh, I right. wear them. Uh, I have no problems. Um, <laughs> so I'm comfortable in, in my nerdness. Um, so, uh, and then, uh, uh, started pat- paddling whitewater professionally there and did a lot of tra- mm. 
but then I left there and um, took a job in the defense and aerospace industry um, in product development. Um, uh, working on various defense programs and in Vermont. Um, lived up there for many years. Uh, Wait, let me go back to the the professional paddling. Yep. Was that in North Carolina? Where it's South? Where oh, when I kayaked white, paddled whitewater, um, it was all over the world. Okay, so that wasn't connected to the that wasn't connected to a state. So nope. you were. I was traveling. Were, yeah. Really. I was. Now, how old were you a, when you were doing that? I was a whitewater junkie. I mean, I I mean, I just paddled the Grand. I just soloed the Grand Canyon a couple months ago. So I still paddled yeah. whitewater. Um, yeah. Uh, we did well. We did a uh, self-support, I guess is a better term. So, uh, meaning no raft support. We had all the gear, all of our camping gear, food, everything in our whitewater kayaks, and there's eight of us, and just simul soloed it, basically as a group. Um, uh, it's all 280 miles. So that was wow. a cool trip. That's so incredible, man. I don't That's paddle whitewater like I used to, as, as far as like difficult, big waterfalls, hard creeks, um, or freestyle. Um, but I used to compete and travel and um, uh, from Chile to. Canada and do big flying drop expeditions just in whitewater. See, I told you he was an interesting guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did that even when I worked in the defense industry. And, um, uh, you know, I took an assignment in, in Britain, England for a few months with Airbus and still was like kayaking in Wales and in France and nice. stuff when I was doing that. But, um, but I've hunted my whole life. Uh, yeah. And uh, eventually transitioned. You're currently living in Tennessee. I don't know if we ever got yeah. there. I yep. interu- I've interrupted you multiple times, and <laughs> I'm, okay. I may, I'm, I'm probably going to keep doing it because um, I'll ask you certain questions. But yeah, so um, I I took a job in the outdoor industry um, and uh, uh, managed uh, product development at Jackson Kayak and launched Orion and different brands. Um, as, as I've worked with as an influencer and different things, um, and moved from Vermont to Tennessee in 2014. Okay, I currently live there um, near Fall Creek Falls State Park, um, yeah. surrounded by a bunch of public land. Um, and yeah, that's where we're at. So that's where I'm at with Jaeger and tracking with Jaeger and yeah. helping hunters. And yeah. Now you do, uh, you do a lot of, uh, well, maybe not a lot, but you hunt public land, even wilderness land yeah. in Tennessee. A lot. For yeah. whitetail. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your, that kind of hunting and what your, what you're doing and what your goals are inside of that. Yeah. So, you know, um. I'd say, you know, growing up, you know, we grew up as a military dependent. You don't have a home, right? But um, uh, my home was my grandparents' land in South Carolina. And so no matter where we lived in the world, starting in second grade, you know, my parents would put me on a plane and send me home, send me to South Carolina. And I'd spend my whole summer outside fishing and hunting and shooting, mm-hmm. doing whatever. Um, and then I'd fly back where we were. So the I lived in Germany or Kansas, they'd, here you go, get on a plane, I'll, me and my brother, and we'll see you in the fall. Mm. And so I grew up outside, but, you know, I grew up whitetail hunting largely. You go to a field, you sit in a stand. Um, mm. And, uh, or, you know, you find a trail and you sit it. Um, and it wasn't until, and that's just kind of how I hunted deer. Um, that's kind of a lot, a lot of people hunt deer. Nothing wrong with it. It works. Um, it's an effective way to hunt deer. Um, but in, I lived in Vermont. I got a wild hair to go hunt caribou in Quebec. And uh, did that self-guided. Uh, really? My, could you do that at that time? Yep. Can you still do that? You can. Really? Yeah. I'll be darned. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, self-guided, meaning, so this was like, there's a camp host, but all the hunting. Uh, okay. Right? That, that makes sense to me yeah. now. Yeah. yeah so you had to go through an outfitter. Correct. But yes. you could, you were hunting on You're your hunting own. hunting on your own. I correct. See. Yeah. Got it. So, it's, so it, yeah, better way to clarify that. 
We're doing a giveaway this week with W Hunting Supply. Leave us a review on iTunes. Take a screenshot. Private message it to us on Instagram, Facebook, or email at info at bear-hunting.com to be registered to win a t-shirt and a $25 gift card to W Hunting Supply. If you participate in last week's contest, you're in the contest for this week. So check out our buddies at W Hunting Supply for a chance to win just by rating our podcast and leaving a review. Um, but that was the hunt where I learned to quarter and pack an animal. Mm. That trip. Because there's no, like, you know how it is. And can't drive little, a four-wheeler up there. You can't drive a four-wheeler up there. You're certainly not dragging it to a road. Yeah. There's no road. <laughs> yeah. It's tundra. Yeah. Um, so it was that hunt, and it was a uh, – uh, the camp host was there. She was – it was that it was a woman named Beth, and she was just she was just this hard woman from Maine. She was she was, she was awesome. <laughs> and, and, and she's like, if you get one and you need help and you want to see, you know, how to – pack it you know just call me and I'll, or radio camp and i'll come over on the boat and i'll help you hmm. and i was like okay and she shows up in her like loose rubber knee boots on this like totally unstable terrain that i'd like never hike and worried about breaking my ankles she just shows up with her leatherman tool and just poof, breaks this caribou down like my dad, <laughs> I, was like, and I was like that this is going to change my life <laughs> and it literally did and you it, married her I didn't. She was. She was. Oh, okay. she was yeah, much, I thought that's where this was going. I thought, <laughs> she was, I thought that was his wife. No, no, no. no, no. My, um, my wife's from Vermont. I she's helped me carry meat before, but she's never okay, come okay. <laughs> um, So, uh, but it was that. Okay. So, so, just the idea that you could kill an animal in the back country and transport it out. Yes. So it was that, that was like yeah, novel. Totally. Yeah, I get it. And yeah, yeah. and um, and that just kind of changed how I viewed where I could go. And I what see. I could do, and I was, and look, I've always like I've been a backpacking guide. I've, I've, I'm used, to, I've used in mountaineering. You know, I've climbed a bunch of big mountains, and I'm, I've been in wilderness, right? I'm comfortable in wilderness. You know, living yeah. on a kayak on a trail, so I'm used to backpacking. But like backpacking with a weapon, kind of was never really in my head. I I'm see. not seeing animals, you know, yeah. but like I wasn't thinking, man, I can get in here and hunt these animals, right? Um, and it was kind of that trip, that, and I was, you know, mid twenties. Uh, when that happened, and and I was like maybe late twenties. I have to go back and do the math. But anyway, you know, not 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 very right. old, pretty pretty young and fit. And uh, um, that just kind of mentality of man, I, I I don't have to worry about people. I don't have to worry about roads. I don't have to worry. I can get where game is wild and acts wild and unpressured. Um, yeah. and not worry about you know how am I getting the meat out. Um, and the physical aspect of it, the more of the, cause I'm all about, you know, collecting memories as much as anything, but, you know, combining things, you know, in hunt, a lot of, like mountain hunting is like combining mountaineering with hunting. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the places I get into to hunt, it's like, I'm going, I'm going by rock bands that would be awesome rock climbing, you know, yeah. but I'm still in there. You know, hunting. Have you ever done a kayak based backcountry hunt? Um, fishing, yes, multi-day, like backcountry fly fishing trips, um, but not, not hunting. It's on my to-do list, um, to find some of the right spots to get in. There's some awesome spots you can even ask us for shed hunting and stuff. Mm. That. 
yeah. that you can get into, you know, in spring and doesn't have to be, you know, just to scout and, and see some of the property. Um, uh, but I haven't, I've, I've certainly, I've kayak hunted and I've brought right. up game with kayaks, but, never, but not like a trip. Right. Yeah. Not like, yeah. I just wondered if you had, yeah, no. Um, but it was that, like I moved to where I moved to where I live in Tennessee. Um, there's a lot of canyon country there. And one of the one of the reasons it's such a great whitewater cocking hub is because there's just there's the pla- Cumberland Plateau and just drainages all over. Oh, really? They're and, coming off of the Cumberland yeah. Plateau. And it's just, there's just you know a shifting terrain, and everywhere that dramatic shift of a few thousand feet happens, there's incredible whitewater. Oh, be darn. Um, so it's like it's that part of the Southern Appalachians and eastern side of Tennessee is just it's whitewater, you know, heaven. Yeah. Um, so. When there's water, because uh, a lot of those a lot of those rivers will dry up and stuff. But um, it, uh, you know, moving there, there's some of this we're just rougher country, and we're kind of surrounded by like a a ring of massive thousands of acres of public land. It's like a just giant halo, and we're kind of in the middle. Um, and I was like, who's hunting? Like, how about hunting over here? How about hunting over here? And it's steep terrain. Um, but like one of the locals was like, I. You don't, nobody hunts in there. Deer just get old and die in there. You can't get them out. That was his exact line. Deer get old and die in there. You can't get them out. Mm. And I said, okay, <laughs> that's all I need to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause like, you can't get an ATV and there's no roads. And I'm like, uh huh. Keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> Keep talking. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you can't get them out. I wouldn't let anybody go in there. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I started exploring it. Um, and, and not just it. I mean, it's just, you name it. I mean, the halo, a lot of that halo. And, like, one of my kind of core spots that I love to hunt, um, I've never seen a human. And I'm never more than a mile and a half from a road, I don't think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's steep. I mean, I you know, uh, there's a lot of vertical down, up and down involved. And you might have to have waders with you to cross a river um, if it's running or not. And there's... Yeah, you know it's effort to get in. And you're whitetail hunting. There's not a lot of bear back in there where you're at. There's a, there's not, there's a few. You can't hunt them in that zone in Tennessee. You can hunt bear along the east side of the Smokies, right? right. But we're at, the counties we're in, there's no bear hunting. Um, uh, but there, there's some, there's some sporadic. There's a couple um, that live. There's a couple ag sites bordering um, some of this public, and that's where those those bears that I know of or I've heard of, even from the game wardens, tell me that that's where they tend to hang out. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, you get into this canyon country and the habitat and you see it and you're just like, I can't believe knowing the bear numbers that exist, you know, over mm. on the east side of the state. Against it doesn't smokies. make any sense to me why there's not a lot of bear exactly. there. Exactly. I'm like, well, this place should be covered up. And mm. every year one is hit on I-40 near where I live, you know, so they're yeah. there. They they're, may just be not, they're just more not. More than they think. Yeah. They're not in the numbers. So when you're hunting back in there, are you doing day trips or are you going the, back in and camping and staying? Both. Both. So we what felt, do you find to be most effective? Because I think we hunt similar ways in that, uh, I like getting back away from roads as much as possible. Yep. I have yet to, and I, and I think I have an idea for the size of areas you're talking about. Like, it's not like the western U.S. where you can get back 12 miles from a road or something. Correct. Yeah, it's just not. In the east, you just yep. don't find that. So my thing is, is I'm trying to decide, and, and I have a theory of what's more effective for killing game. Yep. going back in and staying for three days, but you having to carry all your pack stuff in, mm-hmm. being locked down to one place, or do you go on day trips into yep. the wilderness and be more mobile? Because yep. you can get a pretty long ways and hunt a pretty good day right. 
in in a in a day. Yeah, especially if you're willing to go in and out in the dark, you know, and you just, yep. you're like, I'm in here all day, and I'm yep. like, there's one of the spots I hunt, you know, I I get up at three thirty, it's two hours, at least, you know, sun will come up around six, um, you know, I'll hike in all the whole way in the dark, um, and the sun will come up around six, um, and you know, I'll find a nice sunny rock shelf to sleep on. Um, if I'm tired midday, and then I'm there for. Do you see? Minutes. Do you see, like, on an average hunt like that, how many deer would you see in a day? Uh, anywhere from zero to ten. Okay. There's plenty of hunts where I don't see a deer. Yep. Yep. Um, there's just not a lot. The places that I hunt has excellent, you know, called buck to doe ratios and age structures, but not high density. Yeah. But. I know in there at any given time, um, certainly during November, you know, and I don't, I don't even go into those places until then. Um, right. I don't go in. I have my. It's room. not like you're going in there scouting and doing a bunch of stuff. You're no. I've I mean, been in there late enough hard. season. I know where the sign is. It's there every year. I don't yeah. need to go see. It. I don't have cameras running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know the sign. I, I know the, f- and I'm fun. A lot of my hunting is hunting. T- I'm hunting with the terrain. I'm hunting funnels. I'm hunting mm-hmm. what the terrain is giving me. Well, okay. Yeah. What would you say now? You're you, the mountains over there are different than than our mountains in some ways. Can you describe the terrain features that you're hunting? Sure. Um, so basically, uh. You know, in searching phase for whitetails, I'm hunting ridge tops because a lot of those bucks will run ridge tops, brows, um, spines, in and out of steep country. And that that those mountains have a lot of uh, like super steep hollows, but yep. kind of hogback ridges. Correct. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So, um, you know, cliff bands that I know I got. 40 to or 20 to 80 foot high cliff bands, you know, that run for the next 500 yards or more. And then there's a, then there's a funnel. That's a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're they're going like, to come down. That. Half, that's their way in and out of there. If they're there, they're coming in and out. They're yeah, going to run yeah. the top of that cliff or the bottom of that cliff until they hit and they're going to run this funnel. So I seek out spots like that where I can get my wind right. Um, yeah. Um, and I will move all day long if the wind changes. I, I don't care. I, I will not like, I can't make noise. I embrace the other side of the equation. I make noise. I just try to sound like a deer. Yeah. I shorten my steps. I shuffle. I grunt when I, I run. I will run and grunt like a running buck mm. to shift my position. And I found it works great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've sat down and shot a deer 10 minutes later. Wow. Um, That's a good tip. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I've, the way that I rattle and call, I hunt very, I, I try to, be a deer um, yeah. when I hunt in there because um, yeah. I think a lot of people get really frustrated like can't move you have to be can't make any noise and I was like I don't know about you but I hear most deer that I kill before I see them mm-hmm. um, just because I'm hunting simply thicker can't see very far but like thick leaves dry like you hear that buck crunching from a long way away especially when yeah. he's jogging so I'm like if I want to if I want to shift my 150 yards to get my wind right. I shuffle. I'll scratch like a turkey and just kind of work my way over there. Yeah. Um, and now my wind's good. Um, so, uh, and when I rattle. Um, and so I, I killed three bucks this year, one in Georgia, two in Tennessee. Uh, I called all three in on the ground, not in a stand. I shot them all within 20 yards coming, mm. coming to me. That's awesome. What time of year? Um, November? Early November. Really? Yeah. 
and that's what I find be most effective. But like when I rattle, I'll run around in a ten yard circle, stomping, kicking the ground, breaking sticks. I don't just sit there. So and all bang three them. of those books you called in, mm-hmm. they were coming. All so you you were, and therein lies the challenge in low deer density areas is being within earshot of a deer. Right. You can rattle. You can have the best rattle sequence in the world, and if a deer can't hear you, he's not going to come to you. Correct. So you're you're so close I'm, to a bedding area. Yeah. Or? So I'm thinking. So I'm like in one of these spots where I shot the last one, and Jaeger actually helped me find that deer. Um, I'm literally sitting on a bedding knoll. It's hmm. a southwest facing knoll with scrapes and beds and rubs on, and I am in it. Yeah. I get in there before they're in in the morning, and I'm s- sitting where they're coming, or where they're going to scout by. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm wasting my time there probably doing that in December. Um, yeah. And early October even. But in November, that's one of the spots they like to be. So a lot of that, too, I think, is hunting those is figuring out, you know, food, early, early food sources, rut chaos, late season food sources. And what are those deer know, doing in the late winter in the mountains? The ones near me, like they're down, they're, they're heading, they're grouping back up. They're heading the, the thick bedding near late season food. There's one. Well, just, what is like, there's my question. Like for, for where I'm at, there's just one just old overgrown briar patch that I've just climbed trees after I'm tagged out and just sit there and watch. And I'll spot six, eight deer, just white throats. I can't see their body. I just see their heads and white throats feeding that stuff. Hmm. Um. So like last year, but you know, last year I didn't, I didn't punch a tag in Tennessee except for on a doe. I didn't kill a buck last year. Um, I had some chances just didn't come together this year though. They, you know, they came in and, and, you know, in Georgia, it's funny. I was hunting with a friend, um, down in Telfair County along the Yuckmulgee river and the swamps. And he wasn't calling in same nights, same, you know, same areas. He wasn't seeing bucks and I was seeing five a night, five a sit hmm. rattling, you know, every half hour. Um, but it was that peak time when they're like, it's early November. They're kind of, they're kind of, they're not Can you rifle hunt during that time? Yep. Oh, really? So like that, the buck I shot down there, he came in straight downwind behind me, shot him right in his chest, coming right at me. Mm. Um, uh, I just heard a crunch, turned around, like, so I just, you know, legal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Shooter, like, I'm going to shoot that, you know, it's one, not one of those, well, let me look at him a little bit. And, you know, it's just. Mature buck, boom. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, that fast. Yeah. Um, and uh, same thing. The first buck I shot in Tennessee this year, it wasn't a spot far from my house. Um, and I just had like, it was, I'd been traveling a lot of trade shows. I've been to the Orvis Game Fair and Kevin's Catalog Game Fair in Georgia and Alabama. That's when I actually hunted in Georgia in between those shows. And then um, I was like, man, it's the first week of November. And this is like, that's, the prime time for me in in Tennessee is to his first week of first two weeks of November. There's just a lot of bucks moving and they're aggressive to me. You can, you can interact with them. Um, and I just got home and I was like, man, I got to get out for the last hour and a half of the day. I don't mm-hmm. care if that's all it is. And I literally hiked into a dead tree, um, just dropped my backpack, got out my antlers and it's right on the edge of where I know deer like to bed. Um, just kind of got in there quiet and, uh, four o'clock and just started banging and breaking and he just walked straight out of that bedding cover. Just, just right away within 30 seconds? 10 minutes of hunting. Okay. He just got up. Heard, he heard his commotion. He didn't want to be near him and he just got up and walked out of that stuff and just was head down and puffing and um, he just comes like, 
when he just laid down and died, and I was like, well, that worked out. <laughs> wow. That's that's good hunting, man. Uh, <clears throat> that's good hunting. It um, really is. And then uh, then, the, then the third one um, was the one I talked about with those Southern Outdoorsman guys. It, it covers some of this stuff that, um, on a podcast with them. They uh, um, That betting spot I'm talking about that I, that I get into, try to get into bef- before they get back there in daylight. Um, I slept in like a half an hour too long, and – it was getting light when I got there. And to get there, I got to go down this face, cross a river, up a face. And there's an easier way there, but I, I take this really convoluted way so I don't bother where they kind of mill in the night and, and I always keep my wind right because the wind switches there around nine. Um, and anyway, so I go in this really obscure, hard way to get where I want to get. And it's basically, it's a rock next to a tree and when i sit with my body on the ground behind the rock my whole body is blocked from their vision of this like bowl and funnel i don't know they uh, my head's but can see around that rock and i have a great view mm. and then when something comes i can just lay on the rock mm. and shoot off that's nice um, and i've had deer there and, and like you know walk within five yards of me up by the rock and they just come up and there's like this bedding spot yeah <laughs> so you always hear like stay out of the bedding area i don't i don't i don't subscribe to that theory all the time um and certainly not in the big open woods on those open knolls yeah it's one thing keeping my scent out of dense thickets that they mm-hmm. bed in you know but yeah. big open woods that just happen to like a sunny bench i don't have any problem yeah with it. <laughs> yeah um, and uh well that's so but like that morning i got there and right when i was getting to my my rock like there was two deer getting spooked and I was like damn it I slept in half an hour and I'm too late and I was kicking yeah. myself and then um and then I hit a rattling session and they broke and then I see I saw a beautiful buck um and he was heading away and I started grunting um and bleeding and rattling and he turned around he starts walking and I just flat out missed him I missed him Hmm. And I should have waited because he was coming, but I had like it's it's a lot of trees and little tiny shooting pockets, right? Muzzle loader, and I just he was at eighty yards, and I thought I had a window, and I, I don't know what happened, um, but I missed him. I mean, I waited, you know, I sat there for an hour, I got down, I was looking for hair, blood, just nothing. Um, and the way he just walked off too, he didn't like he didn't run, he just kind of and he's kind of I was trying to reload, and he just I was like, what the heck? Um, and I was just kicking myself. I was like, man, you're late, and you suck, and now you've missed, and you're just a terrible hunter. And, and I was just, like, pouting. Um, and I just got, like, my antlers out again, and uh, like, half hour later, and did a big sesh. Um, ran around kicking stumps and trees and breaking. <laughs> and, um, and I hear, like I'm talking about, there's a ridge down below me, and I hear the footsteps long before I see the deer, and he's trot, 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 trot. Um, and... I could tell he wasn't going to come up to the bedding area. He was going to cross his face. So I got up and I like kind of jogged 20 yards while he's jogging. I mean, he can't hear me while he's making noise. So I moved. I'm like, no, you know, I'm, I'll, I will move to get that shot when I know yeah. he's moving. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not going to hear me when he's jogging. Yeah. And if he does, he's probably going to stop within what time he can see me. I can see him. Yeah. Um, and I got over there and he's coming up his face at me. Um, and, uh, you know, again, 20 yards and he's coming up, <clears throat> um, kind of quartering to, and I shot, and he runs like 20 feet maybe and stops. He's behind a rock and a tree, and I'm standing here. He's standing there. I know he's there. He knows I'm there. I tried to reload quick, took one step, and he just bolts flag up like strong, like nothing had happened. And I was like, man, alive. Did I, 
missed did I just miss again? Is like something around my muzzle loader? I was like, right. You know, just starting, what the heck? And then I walked down to where I thought I'd shot him. And I see white hair and just like black pudding. It's mm. like, and I was like, what the heck? And I was like, oh man, I shot him in the liver. <clears throat> and it was just like amazing. It was just like macerated liver. Um, I could tell it, I could tell it had exited belly, and now I know I had spooked. I mean, that's all transpired, and you know, there's no like it's backing out. I mean, he's standing there, I'm standing there. There was no like wait a half an hour right. and slip yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> in the course of two and a half minutes, I mean, we're yeah. standing on top of each other, um, and uh, so I actually, you know, I went and got Jaeger for that one. Um, yeah, you know, uh, spooked deer. You, you never want to bump a deer, um, regardless tracking. Um, and spook deer can go a long way. And the you know, number one rule of like, tracking and recovery is if don't bump it out of its first bed. Yeah. Um, your odds of recovery go way off, uh, yeah. even with the dog. Um, just a lot of more factors become involved. But so I'm telling myself the same thing I always tell the hunters when they call me about tracking. You know, how long did you wait? Like, did you bump the deer? And uh, like the answers are, like, I couldn't have waited. There was no, I could wait. There was, and I did bump it. <laughs> I mean, it was standing there. It wasn't bedded. But bottom line is, it was shot. Then a few minutes later, it was spooked and running hard away. And that deer could have gone. I a see. Mi- that deer could have gone a mile. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did this big two and a half mile hike out loop, try to give it as much space as I could, not spook it again. Um, I waited another hour, and then I kind of did this hike out. Um, got home. Um, uh, do you know Ethan Rodrigue, Stickbow Chronicles? You, uh, actually, but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, another traditional bow hunter. Um, anyway, he lives near me, and I called Ethan. I said, "Hey, man, um, shot a shot a buck. Never shot it. Um, I'm nervous. Uh, and uh, quality deer. You know, again, that just obviously there wasn't. A, it was just coming. I was like, okay, shooter for sure. I'll shoot that. Um, and uh, so he he's like, yeah, I'll come help you. Um, he, and he knows Jaeger. He's brought he's he's helped me go on some tracks with Jaeger and. Yaker likes him a lot. Um, and uh, so we hiked all the way back in um, and put Jaeger on that track. And the blood, had, it was all dry by then. And it had turned. It's actually my first time seeing what incredibly fresh liver blood looks like versus a few hours later. Mm. Um, mm. Usually I always see it at, at later. Right. Um, uh, I'd never seen, in my 30 years of hunting, I'd never seen the fresh blood like that mm-hmm. um of just what it looked like it was kind of like i even like texted some photos to other trackers like this is different for me uh um again i've shot a lot of, a lot of it just was different um so and i'm always like studying everything <laughs> um and uh so but put jaeger on it and boom up over the little off the ridge down his face boom there's the back how far do you run 250 250 oh, okay. maybe wasn't, um, wasn't that far. Yeah, wasn't that far but he was still limber, like six hours later. He, so he laid he there for a died. while. Yeah. He had just died. I mean, there was no problem twisting him for fill. I mean, was, he was not stiff at all. Yeah, okay. I mean, he had just, yeah. just died. But um, that's, a good, that's a good place to jump into the dog. Yep. I mean, what did uh, – how, how cold a trail can he trail? And, and part of my yep. worldview with the – olfactory strength of a dog comes from hound hunting yeah i mean we share a uh un- an interest connected in some ways because i hunt plot hounds which are originally german came from germany but the, the breed the breed was really developed in north carolina 
Yep. And then the Southern Appalachians is kind of where it started. But so you hear you hear guys talk about like bear dog men. Mm-hmm. There's golly, everybody will tell you something different. Some guys will tell you you're a liar if they if you say that your bear dog can start a ten hour old track. Right. Some the same time at the same time you'll hear guys out west that are hunting lines in snow. Their dogs are running tracks that are well over 24 hours old, yeah. even two days old, yeah. but very different conditions. Yep. I mean, it's a, so I, yeah, just, people don't realize how much tracking conditions matter. Species matter. Scent inputs matter. Um, but like for deer, uh, 20 hour old tracks are, I don't even blink, blink. That's, that's, really? that's normal. He wouldn't have a trouble. He wouldn't have trouble. With even, that. even the, even the field tests that exist are all 20 hour. Like Is that right? the Doris Tuckle Club. The, the tracking test he had to take to be a stud, 20-hour-old kilometer long, aged overnight. And rains wow. in game-heavy areas. Mm. Um, uh, and then the other, in the United States, we have a group called United Blood Trackers. Mm-hmm. Um, they have tests that they do, and UBT2 test is 20 hours, almost, it's like 800 meters or whatever, almost, again, almost a mile. Um, same thing, aged overnight, late the day before. Um, and that's so that's that's just what it is. So um, okay, so twenty hours old. What about thirty hours old? I'd take it. Yeah. Um, I, I, How do you think his nose compares to a top-notch cold nose hound? Is it better? I think I think so. Just because I've I've witnessed him out track in tests like coon hounds and bloodhounds. Okay. Um, but I can't speak for all of them. Yeah. Um, and certainly there's. Uh, I, you know, just, uh, people get into, you know, better dog at this and that. I mean, dachshunds are known for their noses. Um, they have a personality that also makes them good at tracking. But, I mean, I think they, you know, like into the 48-hour tracks and stuff, that's where blood hunts start separating themselves. Mm. Um, mm. They track, and they're, they're st- for me, for him, for sure, their styles are just totally different. Like, you see a bloodhound track, and it's almost like you're watching a dog sleepwalk. Mm. It's yeah. just really slow and lumbering, methodical. Yeah, he's like, <clears throat> yeah, mean, yeah, he's yeah. trying to go. He, I mean, um, that that's the way a hound would trail. I mean, like if you took yeah. one of my plots and trained it to be a blood dog, which I mean, you could. Yeah, uh, totally. It would. I mean, it'd be pulling on your lead, trying to pull you over. Yeah, you know. And people are saying they're like, age the tracks more. You know, training training lines, he'll slow them down. I've tried and that. I've just learned to adapt to his style. Yeah, just and, go with it. And my, I've, I can physically keep up, um, so you know, maybe I shouldn't. I don't, you know, I don't claim to be a great dog trainer or handler, or I just know he blows my mind with what he does. Yeah, um, and he's good. Um, and you know, inside the it tests in real life. <laughs> yeah, in, inside the hound world, and this is something that I've I've written about probably more than I've actually witnessed personally but we do this legendary bear hound series yeah and most of these dogs that these guys are considering legendary bear dogs are what they call in some places good trail dogs mm-hmm. or good start dogs which so in a pack of dogs that are all bred for big game hunting and, and bear hunting even the best lines in the world yeah. there's going to be one that's way better than the other ones yeah you know and, and i'm sure it's the same way with tickles yeah i'm sure it is yeah. and so I guess that's what, and there's no answer, but like, right. like you take one of these really good, like bona fide, 
trail dogs. I just wonder how his nose would be because. Right. And, and here's another thing, and you may know the answer to this. Like I look at, uh, like I have uh, tree and cur squirrel dogs. Mm-hmm. Their noses are about that long. Yeah. I mean, like, like literally, I'm got my hands put yeah. out about three inches. Right. You know, scent is is distinguished by nasal mucosa, right? right. Surface olfactory, turbinates. I think right. they call yeah. the 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 flat. Like Colby, when you look at a dried deer skull that's been cleaned by dermastide beetles, mm-hmm. the the little paper thin flakes up in the nasal cavity, those are called turbinates. Oh, okay. That's what I that's what I've just recently learned. Yeah. Those are covered in the nasal mucosa, yeah. which is basically skin. Mm-hmm. The more of that you have, the more scent you can retain. That's why a bear he has more surface area, turbinate surface area right. than almost any other mammal of his size. Yeah. Look you, at his this head. dog <laughs> has a huge head. That's where I was. Yeah. You know where you know where I was going with that. <laughs> Look at the size. So of that snout. most dachshunds that I, or well, when I say dog, that's probably the wrong way. Most little dogs have little heads. He yeah. has a head as big as my plots. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's, yeah, he's you know he's built. Um, again, the way they use these dogs, I mean, he's built to go in to the fox den and hold that fox or kill that fox until the hunter digs him out. Yeah. Um, he's. They're hunters. I mean, yeah. and, and the way he hunts, his hunting style, it's you're hunting with me. I'm not hunting with you. I'm going to go hunt. So this. they're not like, they're not like obedience trained. I mean, I know you're obedient. He's not. Like, I'm not, again, like sit, stay, maybe. Certainly there's no recall. Um, uh, and again, I don't never claim to be a great dog trainer. Um, but uh, instinctively, they're just hunters to their core. The, the instinct to find it. And the, the prey drive is what makes them so good, and the ability to concentrate. Um, they want to catch it. He wants to find it. He, yeah. Every core of ounce of his body yeah. is built. I'm going to find it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you may be there at the end or not, but I'm going to find it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, nice. Uh, and that's really, I think, what you know, when a dog like this, it was really funny. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Wild Rose Kennels, um, UK gun dogs. They they mm. bring in and breed British Labradors. And mm. yeah, he wrote he literally wrote the dog training book with Orvis, Mike Stewart, great guy. Um, I went down to their adventure dog rendezvous. They do this they do this event because they train really highly. They're, I mean, their dogs are like robots um, for waterfowl, but they also have a lot of people who want them. You know, take them hiking, take them kayaking. So they even have like training programs just for adventure dogs you know, and they have to pick up water bottles instead of a duck they're trained to pick up water bottles and they're trained to be calm on a kayak and different things and trained mm. hiking you know to sit and stay and recall over a bridge and things anyway we were down there kind of joining them so he's obviously not a lab he doesn't he's not nowhere near wired like a lab in the way mm-hmm. he operates or thinks or anything um we were all in this hiking trip and we were like 20 dogs and handlers in a line going by this lake and a deer jumps up from the edge of the lake that was bedded and runs through the line of dogs and mm. handlers. And everybody like told their labs, you know, sit, stay. And they all just like locked in at their left heel and sat. Jaeger lost his bl- lost his mind. <laughs> and he was like, let me go. You know, and barking. And I'm like trying to just restrain him. Um, he's somewhat okay until we cut the scent line. And then he just was like, you know, and I was getting kind of some stink eye from some of the other people that don't, you know, work their dog. And you're like, this is his job. And I'm like, I'm not going to scold him for this. Like, right. I am not. Like, I'm going to correct him a little bit. But ultimately, 
this is what he's for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, you know, I don't want him tracking live deer. I want him tracking dead deer. So I kind of calibrated a little bit, but I'm not going to like yank him off and, and try to give this big correction, you know, yeah. um, because, and even some of the trainers that hunt pulled me aside later and they were like, you did the right thing. Mm. I'm like, um, he's not like, that's yeah. not, that's not what you have him for. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> um, so are there, uh, are there people breeding these dogs in, I mean, I guess there are. You got this dog. I mean, where did you? Yeah, I mean, so you don't have to give away. <laughs> no, anything, he's but. from Baum Mountain Creek. Is the breeder? He breeds Deutschrothars and uh, and raw hardtackles um, to the German standards. There's only aside from Baum Mountain Creek and a uh, um, there's a breeder in Quebec, Louise LeBranch. Um, that's the only true tackle breeders that I know. Are you gonna of Are you gonna America. breed them? Uh, now that he's passed all the trials and as a registered stud, yeah, the plan is um, next summer. Get a female. I will, or you're going to breed the, him to Bomb a Bomb Mountain Creek has an unrelated female to Jaeger. So really? usually he sends his females Are these breeders back. really protective of their stock? Do they make you like sign a contract that you won't breed I, the dogs? It's, it's such a small community. It's, it's kind of trust. The, yeah. Breeding dogs outside of the standards does nobody any good. Yeah. And unfortunately, Teckles are not at a state like Drossar where they're recognized by NAVDA or anything like that. Like as a versatile breed. So I, I what think- What is NAVDA? North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association. Got it. So they'll, you know, they're the ones who have like the NAV to test and the trials for a lot of the um, the DDs, Deutschrothars, and um, I don't know if plots are in there or not. Um, but a lot of the, let's say, obscure European breeds, the field hunting breeds. Right. Um, uh, but they don't recognize Teckles um, as separate. But that description of, you know, Deutschrothars are in a different registry they will not breed until they pass certain field standards. So even though like he may breed a dog and they're, they're going to have five puppies, they're going to all be tackles, true tackles, but none of those dogs will breed until they've passed these field standards. Yep. That makes um, sense. So, so it's how they keep the, the hunting in them. It's how, yeah. they, if they don't prove they have these traits, they're not going to pass that on. They might be great dogs. And they might be good at tracking and not good at waterfowl. Um, yeah. But they have set a standard. And both if he, if he was missing teeth or had crooked teeth, he wouldn't be able to Is break. that right? Yeah. So it's not just performance. It's physical, too. Yeah. Does he bark on the track? He will. Um, you know, it's called, you hear the term loud. Will he loud or um, will he vocalize? Um, uh, there's some other terms. Um, and... I hadn't paid much attention to it. He certainly, I, it wasn't until he's it was not like out. a hound, though. I mean, like, well, here's, here's the thing. It, 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 I didn't start thinking about it until it was pointed out to me. So, one of the videos, I have some videos tracking on my personal YouTube channel, and uh, the bre- Mike saw the the breeder saw it and said, "Oh, when does he?" Um, you know, there's, there's a test in Germany actually called Spurlot, where they test their vocalization because. Um, they are, they're running boar with them. They're running rabbits. They're running fox. So they want them to bark on track. Yeah, because they're, they're keeping tabs with the dog. And you, can, and you can even tell what's going on by the pitch and tone of the bark. Sure. It's <laughs> um, like hound hunting. Yeah. So um, he says, oh, when does he – because he saw one of the videos. And I was like, uh, I haven't thought about it. He says, well, his mother, if she, she's, she'll only loud once there's a deer within 50 yards. With him, I've now learned if I'm restraining him too much on a track where we're on the line, that's one way I can tell that he's on the line. If I restrain him and he just kind of gives up and starts walking around, looking around, I'm like, he's, he's hunting the line. He's not on the line. If I restrain him and he's pulling and starts whining and like 
frustrated, mm-hmm. he's on the line. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, certainly, it's a way I can tell a live deer too. Like if we're on a track, and all the signs are you didn't kill this deer, and he starts getting vocal, I'm like, we're pushing the live deer now. Oh, I see. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, How many? Uh, so he's two and a half years old. There's only so yeah. many falls that. Yeah, he's been mature. How many deer? How many critters has he recovered? Do you know? I don't. I, I'm not. I haven't kept good records. So as a as a puppy, and some guys really take a lot of tracks and they keep really intricate records. I have not gone down that path because um, I had at the time to just openly track a lot. But like his, as a puppy, his first season, he was four months old. My main goal was just like, I just want you to experience being a hunting dog. I just want you to smell things and be up late at night around strange people, strange places, mm-hmm. other dogs. And so I just traveled um, and hunted, but he got to smell that season. He got to smell whitetail, wild boar, mule deer, and antelope. Yeah. Um, and they were all just practice lines, animals that, uh, that I'd shot. I knew they were dead. Um, okay. So my you father just shot them. My friend shot them. Yeah. And just say, okay, start, finish. Um, so he got probably exposed to, I don't know, half a dozen animals. That's that first season as a puppy. Um, and then the second season was the first season I started taking calls from the public. Yeah. Um, and I bet we did a dozen tracks that year. Um, and they were all either recoveries or the three week later, I got them on game camera. Yeah. Like just confirmation. Under, yeah. Every, just every one of them. Or, or it, it, I called it at a property line we couldn't cross. And then three days later, he got permission. And he's like, the deer was Rieger said it was. It's 50 yards over that line. Huh. Um, uh, so it was nice having like closure on all those. Yeah. Um, this yeah. year was the first the season where I got a little more loose, I should say, with like who would I tr- track for and take calls. Um, and c- regret and don't regret that. Um, uh, cause I learned this was, I'd say this was the, the season of me learning to screen calls better. Mm. Um, who to track for. I took some tracks for friends that were just courtesy tracks. Um, close by, hey, I shot, I shot it in the shoulder. Um, can, you, you know, can you bring Jaeger? I'm like, sure. Um, go over there and, you know, 100 yards in, 200 yards in, we find an area with this much blood. You know, it continues on. He's barking his brains out. I'm like, it's not a dead deer. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then same thing three weeks later. Oh, yeah, I saw the buck. He's got a scar on his shoulder. I'm like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and on Tennessee, you know, we, it's, it's, it's all recovery. You know, you can't you, – we're tr- on lead state. You can't run deer with dogs. Um, in Alabama, uh, that deer probably would have gotten killed because you can run off lead there and they can bay the deer and then shoot it again. Yeah. We can't do that in Tennessee. Yeah. So it's pretty much it's which lim, you know it makes it it's always a recovery effort or no effort. Um, it's, I see. But there you know there were tracks. Again, I you know it was one of the good example. Uh, it's beautiful buck um, hunter. Never been eight and a half years old. Never been seen in daylight until he shot it. Mm. Just just gorgeous, huge mountain buck. Um, and was pretty sure he brisket shot it all kind of fat in the blood at the hit site. Um, and I knew that going in and I was like, this is, you know, with the quality of this deer, it's I'll, I'm, I'll come down and I'm, you know, we'll get How on. How far did you have to drive? It was about two hours for that one. Really? See, yeah. that's a big deal. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so he, they tracked it around 150 yards and lost it in his pine ticket. And, uh, Jaeger hit their point of loss and then just, you know, I, 
I always tell hunters, you know, mark your point of loss and then mark your trail out because oftentimes they'll, you'll, you, people don't realize that when you're grid searching, when you hike out, you have stuff on you now have deer scent and blood on your boots you don't even know about. So when you leave, dogs will often get a little confused by that and they'll check it quick and then come back. Good ones will. Yeah. But it's always better that I know. Um, it's yeah. just easier. Like if I yeah. see like a break off suddenly on an odd line that he shouldn't, I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Um, that's usually the hunter's trail. <laughs> um, I see. I see. So the more information I get ahead of time. So same thing. Anyway, he gets to there. He's like, Boop-toop. then he just keeps going. And I'm like, okay, pass your point of loss. Boom, boom. We're about probably 500 yards in. And there was just this like, sand, you know, southern sandy slow ATV trail through a pine thicket. And there was like a speck of blood about this big, just a drop kind of over a pine needle. And I was like, there's your, yeah, he's on your deer. And the hunter was like, holy crap. You know, how one, how'd you see that? And he's like, I can't believe we haven't seen anything for a while. And he's been doing this like up and down and around. And I'm like, yeah, he's on your deer. Um, mm. And then we go into this just crazy cut down stumps, briars, just, you know, thick, overgrown, clear cut. Um, and he's uh, bleeding heavily at this point on his own. He, his tongue's out a lot. He cuts it all the time. Um, if you watch some videos, you'll see these goggles. Yeah, he wears those rec specs. Yeah, you have to look at these the scratches all over him later. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But like he had received a couple eye injuries because um, he's running through briars. I've seen him run through barbed wire. Um, so, but he's just charging, and he gets into this old clear cut. And um, I'm trying. I start seeing blood, and I can't tell if it's his blood. Oh, I see. Or deer blood. So I pick him up. And he's losing his mind, and then I'm like, I go a little further, and I'm like, okay, that's that's deer, that's fresh blood. It's not Jaegers. So I'm like, we, I think we just bumped your deer out of this bedding, this this just gnarly of gnarly. Um, worked our way through it, and then continued about another two miles over ridges, wow, wow. off cliff faces, through gullies, across a creek, up a face, and you know, we're two miles in at this point, thirty hours after he shot it, mm. you know, just seeing a drip, a drip. Finally sat down and just like watch, literally watched the drop of blood dry on a leaf on a rock. I'm just sitting there like with Jaeger. He's panning and he's bleeding from all orifices. I mean, he literally he was bleeding from his nose, his ears, his tongue, his claws. Um, and you have him leashed. And he's leashed. And yeah, he's just, you, he's just you, hunting. He's just like, yeah. I want to get this. He killed himself going after that deer. But I'm like, your deer's not dead. Yeah. You know, it's 30 hours in. He's going up and down super gnarly terrain. Um, you know, yeah. he found one bed in that hole, two and a half miles. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I feel bad for him. But the hunter was even like, you know, he laughed knowing he knew his deer was alive. And that's, that's a good feeling inside of and a And to me, deal. that's a successful track. Yes. That's, there's no recovery at the end of that. But yeah. he, there is no doubt in that hunter's mind that the deer I shot, he may have died a week later. But right. at 30 hours in, he's as strong as strong could be. He was yeah. always going to be five, ten minutes in front of us, no matter what we did. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, so. Did they ever get pictures never, of the deer? I still haven't heard back. Yeah. Um, was that, that was this fall. Him. That was this fall. Yeah. Yeah. Because I really hope he sees it again. Um, a deer that old may just die anyway from the stress of the whole ordeal, you know. Um, yeah. But, uh, um, or who knows, another hunter could have got him or, you know, you never know. Um, it's always great having closure on, on non-recoveries, but. No faulty. I mean, he was he had bloody stools for four days after that track. Hmm. I mean, he was just he just gave everything. He gave it all. He gave it all, and he would have never stopped. Um, yeah. So that's part of my responsibility as a handler is to judge 
when it's just time to say, okay, Jaeger, you've had enough. Yeah. Um, Do it, you, uh, I, there's a blood trailer that I know in Arkansas that, uh, that I used one time. Uh, he's actually a pretty good friend of mine. And uh, he, he just has random breeds of dogs, yeah. you know, that he just gets one that he thinks would be a good blood trailer dog. But There's he, plenty of great ones that have no, you know, right rare pedigree like Jaeger has. Yeah, They're yeah. awesome trailing dogs. He, so he's a big hunter, obviously. That's why he got the dog. Yeah. And uh, he told me that he got to where when his phone rang, his he was so excited hoping that it was a stranger that needed help tracking a deer. Yeah, even He even liked it more than hunting, Yeah, which that was surprising me because when I called him at, you know, 7 o'clock at night on a, you know, in, late in the fall, and like, yeah. dude, I, I need your help. Like, to me, yeah. it was like a burden. Right. And it was. He did have to travel, and yeah, yeah. but he was excited, you know. Yeah. Are you, where are you at on that spectrum? Uh, mix. Um, okay. Uh, again, this was a season of learning, you know what, it's okay to say no. Yeah. Um, cause Jaeger was getting beat up. Um, and, and I was like, okay, we just, I need to back off. It's not fair to him. He's also just because he's now, again, he's such a rare stud as far as technical registries go. Like I hate to have him get really hurt or, I mean, rip his damn nuts off on a pair of barbed wire. I, mean, I don't, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen out there. I mean, we were, we took a track once and there was like jagged, rusty metal up out of the ground that he like ran across with his chest. I mean, I mean. Bad stuff happens to track yeah, dogs. Yeah, he could, he could get they hurt. Get, they get gore. They get hurt. So, so he's valuable so to you now. He is. He's so yeah. So I, so, so I'm going to calibrate that, right? Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not chasing numbers. I'm not trying to, you know. Yeah. Only feel successful if I get 50. Well, tracks it's a in ton a of season. work. That's it what I work. learned it's, from my me, buddy. To me, it's it's six hours minimum from where I live usually to get to a track, do the track, get home. Yeah. Um, so I just don't have that free time either. I mean, yeah. you know, if it's yeah. convenient, I'll come help. If it's a friend, I'll come help. Now, did um, you originally get the dog thinking that you would just use it for yourself? Yeah, it was. It was just a, like, hey, we need a. I mean, you probably were like, it'd be fun to have a dog like this. It'd be fun to kind of have a pet that we. Right. But it would also be a blood trailing dog. I mean, it wasn't just like I. Yeah, shoot I wanted, so many deer that I don't find. Right. I need a dog. Yeah, that's not yeah, what it was. I don't kill that many. I mean, again, your last year I shot a deer. This year I shot three. Uh, I shot four. I shot a doe. So four. Um, uh, it you know I, I don't I'm not you know killing a ton of. Deer it was kind of the the, um, the the holistic picture. Yeah, of, I'm mainly a big game hunter. I wanted a hunting dog that contributed to my hunting style. Yeah, and that could help with. So, and I wanted this. We traveled a lot. Um, we already had one dachshund. I just I like their personality, their independence, their stubbornness. I happen to like some people can't stand it. You know, I personally can't stand like a border collie that brings a tennis ball to my feet and just stares at me until I pick it up. Like that drives me crazy. <laughs> some people love that. That's their Hey, that's a, on our <laughs> podcast, we pick on things that we don't like. So we yeah. pick on tennis and golf. We're adding border collies to the list. Border collies. <laughs> you, know, right. you know, you know what? That was good. Yeah, you know what I mean. We though. don't like border collies yeah. either. You know what I mean? That personality of that like yeah. that, that super I need to interact with you all the time. Uh, kind see. of dog. I see. He, he he wants to be on the couch, or I want to be looking hunting off the back porch, or I want to be hunting. Sometimes I want your attention. Sometimes I, like I like that. Um, yeah, uh, I like the independence of it that they display as a personality. Some people don't. Everybody's got their own, you know, likes and desires in this world, and that's great. So he just fit what we want. You know, I'm in a kayak fishing kayak a lot. He can he doesn't he can get in a kayak and he can I can waterfowl hunt with a small dog. Has um, anybody not, told you that they think you look like this dog? <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> yeah, he's got the cooler beard, though. Um, okay, okay. I, that's yeah. not what I was saying, but you know how people say totally. that you look like your dog? Totally. 
Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm not making any judgments. Right. If he had those rec specs on, though, he might. Yeah. <laughs> he might. Um, so, yeah, he's he's been, um, uh, you know, this season uh, I got – I haven't done a ton of as many video. I got to do – I videoed that liver shot buck that he helped me recover. Um, we had a great recovery to start the season off that I recorded. It was probably, it was probably the most – this is on our YouTube channel, um, or my YouTube channel, uh, ours. He's got his own website now that we can go into that later. But um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, got a call, October woman, um, Christy. Hi, Christy, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> she shot a crossbow buck. Um, it, was, it was certainly one of the more interesting, like, the details you start getting into because a lot of tracking is the questions you ask at the very beginning on the phone before you ever decide. And I was like, where to shoot it from? She's like, I have a tractor. Um, <laughs> I was like, is that? And she's like, oh, we have a broken down tractor on our property. And we, instead of sitting in a box blind, we sit in the cab. I'm like, right on. Okay. That works. That works. I'm sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure the deer aren't scared of it. I think <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, um, and, uh, and then she's like, yeah, I, I shot it. It got out or I shot it. We, I saw it bed. And then our dog got out of the yard, our shepherd, and jumped it. And I'm just like, where, oh, is, no. I'm like, where is this going? Um, <laughs> and then she's like, yeah. So then I had my son and some of his friends come over, and we, we, we tracked it under the mountain across the street. And I'm like, and how many So how many human footsteps or incense are on scene? She's like, well, it was three last night. And then, you know, a few more came this morning, and we all looked again. And I was like, oh, boy. You know, <laughs> this, like, yeah, this is this complicated is, now. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is like... Um, and uh, so I was like, oh well, and I was like, and but I was like, you're confident. You, she's like, I got shot at and never shot at it. I'm pretty sure. And I'm like, you're confident. So the deer's, you yeah. feel like the deer's dead. So I'm like, you're confident. Then that this deer's dead. And she's like, I really think it's dead. I was like, okay, I'll come down. But almost get almost two hour drive. Go down, and this is like we're, we're right at it again. It's like, do you know this person? No, total stranger. It's a stranger. Yeah. They called you, how'd they get your number? United Blood Trackers website and asking oh, okay. around. She okay. called somebody who knew the vet that treats you. Is it a big deer? Yeah. So nice, you know, mint buck, you know. Yeah. Um, so she found us. Um, and it was a referral, too. It turns out two directions. Another tracker in Tennessee who had gotten a call and knew we were closer and referred the call. Um, and you're not getting paid for this. It's not like a job. Now, they nope. might give you a tip or something. Yeah. Pay um, for fuel. Or yeah, what I do, I just, I just ask for donations to Jaeger's vet bills. So it's up to them. Yeah. Um, and most people, once they see them work, are happy to contribute a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, and and he has them. I mean, tracking sent him to the vet numerous times. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, get down there and uh, um, hit site. You know, I was starting to hit site and, you know, takes us across this field and I find to see where the deer was bed. It's pretty bad in a pretty open spot, like behind a barn. Um, and that's really like a really good sign. You know, it ran a hundred yards embedded. Yeah. Um, that's a good sign, isn't it? Certainly that, uh, okay. I never want like jumping one from a bed's a big negative, but bedding within a hundred yards, it's a big positive. Yeah. Um, and they knew because they had, they knew blood where it crossed the road. So I knew everything going to the road would be just letting Jaeger learn the scent of that deer. Um, and then we got up on the other face, and it's kind of got on this, these, like, rocky bench things, you know, like, go up 30 yards and have a rocky bench for 10 and like, big shelves. So he's going and up. He's going up. And that's one thing, tracking. We can get more into that. But one thing tracking teaches you, throw all the freaking wives' tails and stereotypes. They run downhill. They go to water. Pff, it's all bunk. Mm. 
They do what they want to do. If there's any one rule, they try to get back. Certainly it was Whitetail I'm talking about. They do whatever they can to get to their core bedding area. Mm. If there's any non, just let the dog find it, try to you know predict, that's the one thing. If I'm going to, it's bedding area. Mm. Mm. Um, and especially with mature box. You know they're they're really tight. They yeah, got, yeah. But they got their their happy place, and they want they will do whatever they can to get there. Yeah. Um, so um, so yeah, he's going up a face. Um, so get up to, get up half partially up that face, a few inches, and get to their point of loss. And she was confused. You know, Jaeger's telling me to go over here. So my point of loss is over here. I'm like, well, Jaeger's telling me to go over here. And then after working that out for a while, she's going, no, it was over there. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, mm. <laughs> it was where Jaeger said it was. Yeah. Um, and then that was their point of loss. And then continued on. At this point, they can't keep up with me. Um, and I'm going up across this rocky bench and see one drop. And now I know I'm on. This is kind of like that's trail. like a milestone of any track is to find blood. Is confirmation after point of loss. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. I even view that as I've done my job as a tracker. If I've advanced your line past where you lost it, ultimately I've contributed to this recovery more than you did on your own. So that's kind of yeah. that's like first milestone for me in a track. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of tracks there is no blood. So, but getting it is great. Okay, now I know I'm on virgin track, not contaminated. Just it's Jaeger and his nose versus this deer, um, and the deer actually went across across this bench. They went back down a few benches, looped around, then did this straight up kind of path. And I was getting up probably when I was fifty yards. You hear me on the video go. I think I smell your buck, and boom, buck. There he is. Um, what what do you think that deer was doing? If he, if he was zigging and zagging, was he? You know, sometimes I, when you're blood trailing a deer, I've found you know there, there's usually like a straight line for some distance, yep. and then the then the deer feels like it's. Or this is my interpretation of it, the yep. deer feels like it has escaped the danger that yep. hurt it, and then at that point you'll start to see it do different things, yep. and and usually if you see one that starts to zig and zag, I feel looking like you're about zone. to find a deer, yep, a dead looking deer, for a bedding area, like that deer right there that went up benches and made big yep. loops. Like what was he doing? I think. I think he was getting away um, once he got up on the benches. Then he was looking for bedding. Um, and I don't know, again, if it wasn't clear, did the dog follow him across the road? How soon were the people? Once, remember, because his deer got jumped from that yeah. first bed. Yeah. So I think he was looking for bedding again. Yeah. And it was just trying to figure out. Um, if, you could, if you could give, based on the knowledge that you've had from track and game with this dog, um, for somebody that didn't have a blood trailing dog and was blood trailing deer, what would be the number one tip that you would give somebody for finding a marginally hit animal? If they were just tracking, not with a dog. Oh, just not, not with a dog. Not, not with a dog, um, just just based upon what you have been. Because yep. you, you're learning stuff that... You learn more in a season of tracking yeah, than yeah. you can learn in a because, lifetime. Because you're seeing what that game... You're, yeah. you're, you know exactly what it is. So what would that one, one tip be? Um, like after they've lost it? Yeah. Um, well, certainly get a dog if you can. Yep. <laughs> Number the, one tip. The one tip can't be get a dog. <laughs> um, not, I mean, not, not That's your like own. describe birds yeah. without <laughs> saying the word bird. Yeah, like meaning. Damon says bird. Yeah, <laughs> meaning have somebody's number in your phone and have to have your own dog. <laughs> yeah. But find one near you if you're in a legalized state um, where it's allowed, and there's only a few that aren't, um, like Iowa. Um, West Virginia, I think, is still not in the east and a couple in the west. But um, having a plan of that, and then two um, – 
you know, unfortunately, a lot of hunters don't know their land good enough to know bedding and feed always, but just know the bedding area. And, they want, they're going to get back to that bedding area. Just think in, your, think in your head, if I were trying to get back here, how would I do it? Um, after I've been bumped, I mean, you, you see, you know, deer that get shot, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, that buck, he, he did a big loop and almost came right back to where I shot him. And I'm like, yeah, because you shot him in his bedding area. Mm. <laughs> I see. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. the deer wasn't like so he you, doing something. You spooked him out of his bedding area when exactly. you shot him, and then he came back. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Uh. So it's it's one. Of, so then you hear the ones that you know. Oh, he does this. He does that. And so a lot of it is you weigh it out. Like, yeah. That. But if there's number one dictator of whitetail behavior for certainly for mature bucks, it's um, how do I get to my home? Yeah. And you know, this is I've tracked a lot of game. To me, it's it's you kind of try to simplify things, maybe simpler, more simple than they really are. But to me, a, a fringe hit animal yeah, is not mortally wounded, like a, a brisket hit, right. a super far front shoulder. Um, yep. If you hit a deer low in the gut, like really low in the guts, you're probably going to have a hard time finding. But if you hit the deer in the Anywhere kind of in the center mass, even if yep. it's an absolute gut shot. Right. Gut shots deer, are great for tracking dogs. That deer, that deer's going to die. Yeah. Um, That's kind of my same philosophy. It, 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 so, like, you know, so, like, and it, you know, I've got kids, and we've had some, last couple of years, some issues with, you know, not great shots. <laughs> yeah. And it's always, like, I can pretty much tell you these days when we're going to find one and when we aren't. Yep. And it's those fringe hits, high or low, right. are bad. Yeah, leg hits. This is, to me, I feel like if, if I were to like label this year for us, it was a year of the leg shot. Yeah, and you're not going to find that you're not animal. Find that deer. But um, a lot of times, people's perception of what actually happened is not real. Right. So they think they hit it good, but they really right. hit it super low, or the deer dropped. Right. I mean, that's that's the big thing. Is you may this is also feel the, like you nailed and, it, and that deer. Yeah, this is also the year of spine shock. And I've tried to explain this to people. Um, you know, deer have these processes that come up off their spine and their back. And you shoot high or even a little low and you hit one of those processes. It'll, that deer will fall where it stands. And then it gets up and runs off. And you did you're not, not going to find that deer. You're not going to find that deer. I see. Um, yeah. uh, you, didn't, you shot him through his back strap. You hit a process. It stuns them. Their nerves get all out of whack. And then they get their wits about them and, and then they they're go. off. Yeah. Um, and he said, yeah, I fell right here. He flopped around a little bit. I saw blood. You know, I got blood. I'm like, yeah, but I'm telling you, that's the stereotypical yeah. spine shock. Yeah. Um, and we took a few of those. This year, again, it was like, you know, he friend of a friend lives 10 minutes away. Okay, I'll bring Jaeger out. <laughs> um, and, but, like, if that guy was two hours away, I would have said, I'm not coming. Yeah. You know, it's going to be yeah. a waste of both of our time. Um, and I don't want to say – it's that's the catch-22, right? I mean – like nobody wants to make a bad shot and lose an animal. Nobody thinks they lost their animal, so they're going to grid search. They want to do what they can to find it usually, and and I want to do everything I can to help somebody find their deer too. So it's weighing that do everything you can versus what's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And it's judgment call, right? Nobody's ever going to really know all those answers, but um, it's this was the season of okay, like we're taking too many of these. Cause I was I was starting to like man I'm like Eggers because we had like a stretch of I don't know three or four that you know 
just shoulder hits and spine. And I was like, you're not going to, we didn't have recoveries. And, and I was like, I think he's losing his confidence. I told my wife, I was like, I think he's getting, losing his confidence. Like he's getting frustrated. I think I'm going to go kill something so he can like stand on it and tug on it a little bit. Because, <laughs> like, um, yeah, and, and those tracks were all the, the, the signs were all, you know, he's barking, it's live, you know. And like, right. You know, you know. I bet that didn't – my perception of, uh, well, like coon hunting, sometimes we'll tree a coon and not kill it for whatever reason. And you hear a lot of people say, oh, that's bad for a dog, but mm -hmm. it doesn't make any difference. Like yeah. lots of competition coon hunters never shoot coons out after a dog gets a certain age, and that dog will tree coons the rest of his life yeah. and never even – Taste one. Chew on one. Yeah. And it like that. So there's something to be said for that. Here's here's my next question. And we'll we'll be closing down pretty quick, but so blood trailing, just like a human blood trailing mm -hmm. really is a is a skill and a craft. For sure. Um uh, you hear I hear a lot of guys uh, well, I think it's something that maybe not lost, but there's just there's some people that aren't as good at it as others. Yeah. Do you think uh a lot of these deer that you've recovered could have been recovered if a human had been a better blood trailer? No. Okay. And where were those that, hits? I, I can say that definitively. Um, where were those hits? Uh, I think this, this, one, this one for Christy uh, is a great example. I mean, they looked twice, multiple people, big groups. Um, so I'll, on the video of that one, I counted over 700 paces from their point of loss that I saw two drops of blood on. So well, it just would have been super tough. That would have been really hard. Okay. Now, yeah. now again, if they got maybe the whole football team and decided to go twenty yard sweep up that whole mountain, they probably would have stumbled on it. Yeah, you know. But most people wouldn't have done that. They'd given yeah. up. You know, yeah. oh, it lived. And that, well, and that and, was a hit. That, that, that was a hit that was uh, low. The entry point looked great for a broadside deer, but the exit was uh, almost back rear ham gut. Mm. So it skewered <laughs> it skewered low through that deer. I see. Um, uh, another another video on um, on the YouTube channel was for a tracker last season. Uh, it was Jaeger's last track last year, December track, um, last deer track. Did a bore for me after that, but um, hunter shooting, you know, ridge top, thirty thirty downhill. Um, he did everything right. He uh, tracked for a ways. It's great blood, artery blood. There was brighter blood, some darker blood. Um, uh, I would have thought it was a dead deer mm -hmm. right there too. Um, if I was hunting, I mean, I saw the blood and I was like, early great blood that just petered out um, to nothing. And he didn't call a friend. He knew of blood tracking dogs. Uh, he didn't know of any near here, but he he knew him from New York, and that's kind of where these law tracking started in the states. Um, and so he put his orange hat where he gave up and he knew exactly where he hiked out and called us. So we shot at nine that morning. We got there around three 30 that day. Um, and Jaeger went from point at hit site down this mountain face, Rocky, he kind of broke off and did a big walkabout, um, which I think was just other live deer that had crossed the trail at that point. Came back. We're going down the face, one drop of blood Creek, a drop of blood, drop of blood where he came out of the Creek. Then there was a road, didn't see any blood on the road, but then there was a barbed wire fence, some hair on it. And then once he jumped that fence, he was in basically grass cattle pastures for as far as you could see. Mm. And 
Jaeger got in there, and so this is the end of that video, and he starts running these, like, I call them wax on, wax off circles from Karate Kid. Like, he starts mm-hmm. just running these sweeps. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of sweeps that start progressing in a certain direction. Um, and I actually turned the camera off. I was like, oh, he's just running around falling cows, you know. <laughs> um, who knows what he's doing. Um, and then he kind of worked away across a creek in that field and then worked up by this barn and then came back. And then he just his nose kind of settled down and he just takes off. Like he just settles on the line and starts going. And I'm just, just, okay, we're just on a walk now. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking in that field and it's all just grass. You never Tracking, saw any blood. Never saw any blood. And we probably, I bet we went 800 yards. There was even one like hedgerow that came and cut through and there was no fence. Or So I'm like, and Jaeger's going through it. It's just like five feet wide. I'm like, I'm on my hands and knees there. I made him stop. And I'm looking. I'm like, if it had, if it, if we're on it, it went through right here. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and nothing. Continue on, continue on, and then hit a fence line, and there's a bloody weed about this tall. Wow. And that's why I turned the camera back on. <laughs> I was like, shit. did you find the deer? I'm like, holy shit, dude! Like you're on it. Sorry. Beep. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, and that deer went up this fence row and I thought he's hurting pretty good because um, he wouldn't he wasn't willing to jump it yet and then he goes to jump it and I'm about to cross a barbed wire fence and I told the guys the friend the guy who tried to call the friend and I was like go around the fence so I can hand Jaeger over to you so he's looping around um, for me to hand Jaeger over the barbed wire he's like oh the deer's here it is and we got in there and boom it did same That's thing awesome. same how thing. far did he go past where the guy lost it uh well, from hit site to recovery was almost a mile. Wow. See, I, I, I would. And that was an intestine shot in the end. So wow. you asked hit location. Wow. So it was, and you'll see, you'll see intestines hanging out at the buck when we recover. That, that's a good recovery right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So that's, and that was again when I was like, all right, that's why I can definitively say, like, what a good tracker. And, and John, who tracked it before, he just said right in the film, he was like, we would have never found this deer without you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, that's awesome, man. So. That's why that, there's no hesitation when you say, "Well, a good human tracker, find I no no doubt in yeah. my mind there yeah. there's yeah, a yeah. next level." All those the service area in that nose you're talking about, it's just no contest. Yeah, um, there's yeah. no contest, um, well, and that's why a lot of places again by law in Europe they gotta make have you have one. you gotta have one. Um, Jaeger Jaeger means hunter in German, yeah, hunter in German. Yeah. Damon, thanks a ton, man. Thanks for but having tell me. me. Tell me where people, they can find you oh, on social media sure. and stuff. So I'm, um, on my YouTube channel that has the Jaeger videos is just Damon Bungard, D-A-M-O-N-B-U-N-J-R-D um, on YouTube. Um, I know I'm on Facebook. Um, and then Jaeger's stuff, he's at Jaeger Tracks on Instagram. So J-A-E-G-E-R Tracks on Instagram. And then he's got his own website. I just made him at Christmas, uh, <laughs> www.jaegertracks.com. Yeah. Um, and Facebook Jaeger tracks. So yeah, um, cool. That's well, that. hey, that's been really informative, man. Yeah, it really I'm has. Happy to be of service. And if anybody has any questions, that's listening, and, and you know, feel free to reach out to me. I do my best to respond to everybody that reaches out. And always available, happy to help, just like Jaeger is. So yeah, enjoy. Well, the, thanks a ton, Damon. You bet. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your ATA. Show. Keep the wild places wild because <laughs> that's where the bears live. Yep.